Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In this podcast, we chat about the win against Cardiff. Look ahead to Sheffield United and answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and this is all your Borough Match Day chatter in a pod. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Bora Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We're the Bora Podcast that gives you all of your Bora match day chatter in a podcast. And it was another weekend of threes for Middlesbrough. Three goals, three points, three wins on the spin and Bora stay third. So in the spirit of all, let's do three words again. Uh, Dana Malt, how are you feeling in three words? Well, my three words are the exact same as yours that seem to have been woven in the fabric of this podcast. It is... We're going, we're going Sizzler. Sizzler. Yeah. So out of sync there. We will work on that. But yeah, we're going Sizzler. It's it was great to watch us in the first half yesterday. Obviously, we'll get on to the game as a whole. But yeah, keep winning. We keep getting results. And uh yesterday was another type of result, another way to get that result. And yeah, spirits are just really, really good at the moment. Yeah, we are going Sizzler indeed. Um, Tom, I'm going to keep the spirit of threes, you know, been a, a week since you, you turned the big three off. Um, how are you feeling in, in three words? Well, cheers for reminding me of that for one, but... Uh... <laughs> you are welcome. You are welcome. Uh, my three words, I just love this team, uh, really. I just, as Dan has just said there, it was a very different way of, of winning yesterday. But never had any doubts that the team couldn't see it through. Uh, we're starting to play some excellent stuff, especially over the last last three games or so. Um, some just beautiful first touch football. Um, uh, sorry, one touch football. But um, yeah, just we're, we're playing so well at the moment, and you know, I'd actually be confident for for Wednesday now if I wasn't going. Um, that, that's how much <laughs> I'm just uh, in, enjoying seeing the same player. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going, Tom. So you, 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 it'd be good to know. Well, I'm, I'm the main jinx, really, because you know every time I go, we get beat. So yeah, never yeah, mind the malt curse. Yeah, malt curse but, for away mm, games, anyway. 
Yeah, I'm just gonna. I might just stay at home. I think for the remainder of my Middlesbrough fan career, um, just you know, that that'd be fine. Um, but let's. Do you want to talk about Cardiff? Oh, everyone knows my three words. We're going Sizzler, and I don't need to say much more. Um, but let's talk about Cardiff. Uh, it was unchanged eleven again. <laughs> Consistency is key in it. Um, but goals from Force Archer and Riley McGree give Borough all three points at Cardiff. Um. Tom, how would you assess the performance against Cardiff? Um, pretty much a, a game of two halves, really. Um, so first half, like I said, I thought we played some excellent stuff, and going in, you know, going one nil up, I just thought we're adding more onto this. Going into the game, I was quite confident in it anyway, and we were just playing so well. Um, obviously, letting that that one goal, which is a, a bit a bit of a stain on the performance, but even with that. Um, with Cardiff equalising, I never had any doubts that we wouldn't get a second. Great goal for the second, and then second half, Cardiff just seemed to be a, a different team when they they came out. And I would I would probably put that down to the fact that you know a bit of a new manager bounce. Um, you know, we all know what um, Lamushi said after their game last week of uh, what he thinks of Cardiff situation and, and and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure the players would agree and. It, it, you know, it's it's not like those players weren't playing for him yesterday. Uh, I thought they did improve after the um, after half time, and we just couldn't seem to get hold of the ball at times. Um, their their pressing was was very aggressive, um, and it, yeah, we, we just couldn't play our our usual stuff. So it, it was good to to hold on to that. And what I'd also you know like to um, note from from that. Um, second half performance is the in-game management from Carrick. Um, noticing the change in formation from from Cardiff, bringing Dale Fry on to kind of uh, solidify the defence a little bit, and then eventually, uh, you know, we, we've scored off, um, you know, a chance created by Matt Crooks, who uh, you know only came on like a minute or so earlier. So another super sub performance from him, but. I do really, really like the uh, the in-game management from from yesterday. Which I think, if if anyone's been really picky and um, you know about Carrick's tenure so far, we can maybe say that hasn't been there in a couple of games where we have needed it. But you know, he's still a a young coach and and looking to improve all the time. Same as the the team's going to improve all the time. And I thought the in-game management yesterday was spot on. Yeah, and the stuff that we, we're going to go into um, a little bit later on around Cardiff and how they switched things in the second half to make things a little bit more difficult for Bora. But then it, it was a nerve wracking game, really. Obviously, they brought one back from a mistake. And, you know, in the second half, it was, like Tom was saying, their game of two halves. But what were your thoughts on the game in general? But also, what were your thoughts on how Bora were able to see the game out? Well, I think it was, as Tom said, a game of two halves. I think we have to. We have to judge it on each half. The first one, I agree with with what Tom said. We play some really excellent, alluring football, the type of which most fans of teams in the championship would go to sleep dreaming watching their team playing, you know, really neat, intricate passing, one-twos, ball slipped down the channels, intelligent movement, possession with purpose, quick pace play. Um, and then we scored and our reaction to that was... It, sort of disappointed me more than the manner of which we conceded because we did concede a, a bit of territory um, after we went 1-0 up. And I think that that does happen because the onus is on the opposition to then react to that goal that you've scored. But 
yeah, we, we seemed to give them a little bit of encouragement, but to our credit, we stuck at it. We, we kept getting in behind. We kept trying to shift the ball down the channels into those dangerous areas, and we managed to get the, uh, the second goal. And then you sort of thinking, you know, okay, how can we add to this? At halftime, I think all Borough fans were thinking we could probably get another few goals here. And then we started the second half really poorly. Stefan came rushing out, playing sweeper-keeper, tried to chest the ball down and clear it, but it was under pressure. Then Tommy Smith tried to negate that situation by grabbing hold of Shayojo for a little bit too long. And then they played a cross into the box, which I think it landed at uh, Philogene Bedeus. And then I don't think he was quite anticipating it, thankfully for us. And then that kind of set the tone for the second half. But it was under, we, were, we were under the cosh. And I think we have to, I have to acknowledge the chance that Cedric Kipre missed at 2-1 because that was a big, big chance and that probably should have put the game at 2-0. So we, we did get fortunate there. Also, that kind of links to the Jerry Yates chance from the Blackpool game last last time out. We are getting somewhat fortunate in, in game situations where we probably should have been punished there. But from there on in, I think obviously what, what Tom said there about Carrick reacting to the change of shape for Cardiff, we we did lose the ball quite a lot and that was really frustrating because we're so much better than that, aren't we? We are so much better than than what we saw in that second half in terms of in-possession play, uh, 85% passing accuracy in the first half compared to 69 in the second. So you can see that there was a massive drop-off there. But we just, we limited Cardiff to basically not so dangerous situations. I looked at their shot map and they didn't really have a ton of chances sort of in the six yard box, which was good. They were sort of limited to, to shots outside the box, which I think obviously as a football, uh, in a football match, you kind of want that. If you are going to concede chances, you've got to limit the opposition to those less dangerous areas. So... I, I do have to say, and, and apologies for any stray Cardiff fans that might be listening to this, I thought they were terrible. They had a lot of that second half to try to get back into the game and try to get that equaliser, and they just didn't. You know, they had their opportunities, they didn't take them. Uh, I was listening to a Cardiff podcast view from the Ninian, and they were saying how bad their corners are. Well, they put a good one in, and Cedric Kipre didn't take advantage of it. And then, yeah, we, you know, we, we changed shape. We put Dill Fry on, went to five at the back, uh, and that's a, a really big, big um, important important part of the game for Carrick because he identified that Borough were maybe struggling a little bit um, and that the the uh, the sort of um, momentum was with Cardiff and I think that's really good that he was able to be tactically flexible because Chris Wilder earlier on in the season certainly wasn't so yeah it's good to have a way and a style of playing a formation but whenever that needs maybe shift a little bit it's good to have a manager that identifies that and acts appropriately so yeah, really good that that we managed to do that, and um, yeah, we we saw the game out eventually. Yeah, um, I want to chat about uh, Cardiff and formation changes and and goal kicks. Uh, to be honest, and this doesn't sound very sexy um, when you talk about a goal kick because what happens in a goal kick? Why are they so interesting? Um, but I was very intrigued by Cardiff yesterday, um, and from both of you have mentioned it there around how Cardiff were able to come into the game um, in, in the second half and the formation change and how Borough reacted to it. In the first half of, of the game, um, we've seen Cardiff set up in a in a, in a 4-2-3-1, um, but when the goal kick, Borough, uh, when Borough in the goal kick, they were set up in a 4-4-2 and it was a zonal, uh, zonal way of playing. And they were triggered uh, by a pass from Stefan 
to McNair. So when McNair passes up, when Stefan passes, passes the ball to McNair, you'd see Cardiff um, shift uh, towards into a, zone, into a zonal press. Now, a zonal press in itself is good because you can, you can hold shape, you don't get pulled out too much, and you're just trying to limit space. And how it's seen in action um, is that when McNair gets the ball and he's looking to play to Tommy Smith, they're setting up and they're just trying to keep in front of uh, Johnny House and, and, and Hayden Hackney as well. But Borough so, have an outlet there with, with Tommy Smith. You can still play in house and he's got a little bit more space. You can still play that ball down the line or on a, on a half-turn pass. But when you still see that triggered press, they are all coming in together um, and just trying to limit Borough playing. So they play back to uh, Stefan. But Borough really, really good in that first half. Because they were able to play out the press, the the zone itself wasn't particularly um, executed very well from Cardiff's perspective, and Borough was able to get out and create a lot of problems for him. So in the second half, Lamucci goes, "All right, okay, well, you're actually breaking our press, fair enough." I mean, in the in one of the second graphic that I had um, was around where Middlesbrough was separate, where you'd separate the play, um, and then you play out, and how Borough's decision making would trigger a certain press and action. But in the second half, they change it, they go, right. We're getting pulled apart here. We need to keep some sort of limited momentum, uh, stop Middlesbrough's momentum, and also stop them playing up from the pitch. So he puts Sawyer in like a in a four one four one, and so he drops in that uh, in the in the uh, CDM role, and then stay out in a four one four one. It's a man marking system. So the man marking system, it's much more aggressive. You chase you're chasing the game in itself, um, and then how does it potentially look, and how is it triggered when you when you are looking to do it? When so when Bora do do it. Um, you've got like a lovely line, and then obviously from that as well, um, your aim is don't give the player the option to turn and force Bora into a mistake and try and force Bora along. So when Bora do play longer um, in, in the second half, and it comes from like the 56th minute when they do change formation, Bora actually moved to a long ball system. So you never really see Bora play a long ball too much, um, but when you've got Zach Steffen and goal and good distribution, you can actually play it to your advantage. But when you why you're playing a long ball is that you beat the press, so you take away all the man marking system and you try and get into that more central area where you've got three players trying to occupy the space against uh, Sawyer. And then from that, um, the reason why Bora are doing it and why they're playing a long ball and when they try and bring Crooks on and why they're trying to bring on Dale Fry is that change of shape, the different angle, but also a numerical advantage um, on that right hand side. So when Bora do get the ball from Stefan, now you've got five players on the right hand side when previously you're all man marking. Uh, uh, like like stuffle and like you weren't able to get out. Now you've got the long ball. You're looking to aim for crooks um, in in that position. You've got five players in and around, so you can quickly play through and also try and get in behind from there. So that's how Borough were able to probably beat it in the second half. But the reason why we were seeing like a reduction in pass uh, completion, all that kind of stuff, was just Borough were trying to force it long, and with Cameron Archer up top, they weren't able to hold the ball up effectively, which was why Cardiff were able to get more into the game, making things more difficult. But it all comes from a goal kick, which was very interesting for me yesterday. And that's how Cardiff were able to get back in the game, make things look a bit more difficult. And that's why Borough couldn't play out from the back because the man-marking system was just really much better effective. But once you do get through a man-marking system, you're in. You've got so much space to occupy it. And we just couldn't do it, but nothing wrong with going in that, long. In that in that first half, I think we did see the benefits of that really quick sort of one-touch play yeah. out from the back because, yes, it will have the mistakes, and we saw that yesterday, but we were able, and there was quite a few examples of this, to get through Cardiff's 
basically their attacking line and their midfield line within probably about five seconds and two passes. So many times you saw that pass to Tommy Smith, then out into a central area out, out wide to force. And that switch was on quite often to force, I noticed. Callum O'Dowd had a really, really tough afternoon. Probably, I think I said in our Telegram chat, probably the worst individual opposition performance I saw, uh, you know, I've seen this season, really struggled against them. But yeah, that quick, incisive, um, pa- the passing patterns that we saw, really quick, really incisive, and just able to cut through Cardiff so Big tick in the second in the first half, but yeah, second half, it did coincide on my notes here. There's quite a few chances, you know, Robinson curling one, mm. shooting, leaning back, um, Kipri's opportunity as well. Rinna Motor had a shot outside the box that it was coinciding with a few Cardiff opportunities. They were obviously gaining that control, but props to Carrick for obviously noticing that and then mm. reacting appropriately. Yeah, and and with that, like obviously with him changing the shape of the back three gives you a different angle, but also like if a team is trying to like play man to man, you'll probably see this in games now where like a centre back will take the goal kick to the goalkeeper and then the goalkeeper will kick it out. But all that is it just takes away the 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 pressing action, so like or get, it takes away the pressing decision making. So like say if you play it to McNair, you're giving the team the the incentive to go and press McNair and press the players. But if you press it back to the goalkeeper, you centralise the, the the press, but then also it gives you the option to try and use a different angle to to get forwards. But that zonal application from Cardiff was horrendous in the first half. And, you know, you've got to be on it when you play those ways of of, of marking from a, from a goal kick, but they just didn't do very well. And hence why you're saying that then we, you know, that was getting pulled apart. And Boris, you know, really good play from the goal kick. And obviously... Um, also, we're playing in general from Hackney. We get the ball forward. He plays it through for Archer, gets his first goal. And Tom, like, how important is it for for Archer now to to get that first goal? Because do you think it plays on his mind if he if he if he didn't go in that game, and he didn't score again? I think it would have played on his mind if he'd have missed that. Um, but I think the way this kind of squad is and the way they're being coached, I don't think it would have been. Um, you know, playing on his mind on the lead up to this, I think he would have been sure that it would happen at some point. But the contributions he was making to the team in the previous games were were helping the overall team and helping us get the results. So I, I think, like I said, the longer it went on without scoring, and if he had missed that chance, the more kind of um, the more chance there would be of it playing on his mind. But I think up until this point. Uh, I think most of the emphasis would have been on the contribution he's making to the team um, and just getting up to speed, really. I think, you know, against Watford, where he took that heavy touch just at the end and then Akpom scored on the follow-up. Um, you know, I, I think give him the game time that he's had for the last couple of games and then put him in the same situation, he'd have probably scored it. Um, so good good to see him get one yesterday and um, hopefully that just sets him off on a on a bit of a run now. Did did you think that he was going to score when he went through? Because I did. Yeah. I, I was confident, and you know that's quite rare. I think for a Borough striker to go through on goal and us have confidence that he's going to score it. You know, even when he went past Olsop and he took it wide, still thought, yeah, this is going in the back of the net because it's Cameron Archer. You know, mm. he's you know a fantastic clinical natural finisher, and it's just great. Then I made the point on tease after the game to have finishers in this team: Force on seven goals, Crooks on six, Akpom mm. top scorer, brilliant. 
I, I had yeah. the same feeling when he took it around the keeper as I would have done when Bamford was playing for us. And he'd mm. done that a couple of times that season. You just know once he gets in that position and he, you're fakes to either side, he's probably going to score after it. Um, I was never never in doubt that, that he wouldn't put that away. But there have been players that we've had uh, where I don't get that feeling. I mean, the, the one that's David quiet, Nugent. The, oh, it's not even him for me. The, the one that's coming to the top of my head for this is Diego Fabrini against Leeds in the promotion season, mm. uh, especially because I had money on 3-0 that game and I was like shouting <laughs> at the square it. Uh, and then he puts it in at the roof, roof of the net. Like when you got players like, like that running through who aren't like renowned finishers, you're just like, oh God, please don't miss it. But, you know, when we've had the likes of like Bamford and then Cameron Archie yesterday run through and take it around the keep, you're just like, yeah, he scored this. Yeah, I have it is. I have like this weird confidence now, where like we're, we're when we're going forward, or if we're in, in there on the box, I just feel like we're gonna create either a great chance or we're gonna put it away. Like, and that is mm-hmm. very like we were saying. It's very rare to feel that way in it. Like, um, I don't know why I feel like that. I don't know how long it's gonna last for, and I don't know if the expectation's gonna uh, go through the roof over like, the next few weeks. But it's just <laughs> it's just nice. It is just nice to watch games and feel confident again like i think obviously when we go into cranker era then we look at wilder for uh wilder for like the last few well, until like you know march um <laughs> like every, every every game you thought oh yeah we're gonna win this like and, and, and even, even if we concede you go oh sorry right, we'll get another one we'll get a couple we'll be fine we'll, we'll, we'll still win the game and um obviously their equalizer happened and then in the post-match carrick was wanting to speak about it and he was saying well um I'll shoulder that, no problem. We've been asking the boys to play out from the back. At some point, it was going to happen, uh, but a lot of our good football comes from that, uh, and it gives us the foundation, so you can't have it both ways. So I accept that. Uh, no, it's no problem at all. Um, what are your thoughts on like that, the setback in itself and how we respond to it, but also like playing out from the back? So I know we get it, we speak about it quite a bit, but and I don't want to say, I can't be bothered to really talk about it too much, but... Um, yeah, like what were your thoughts on like the on the setback, Tom, and obviously for a character to come out as well and and shoulder that as well. It's pretty cool, right? Yeah, definitely. And I, I think with all the all the noise you get around Zach Stefan um, from you know on on Twitter and stuff like that, um, I, I feel like there were people who were always going to jump on that. So it it's good that that Michael Carrick's come out there and and defended it and and shouldered the blame for it. Um, I think a lot has got to be said for um, Zach Steffen's kind of mental toughness with that as well, um, because it's not like it stopped him from playing that way for the rest of the game or anything like that. There was no kind of fear afterwards, just like, all right, I made a mistake, we'll move on. Whereas I think if you if you look at, like, say, Joe Lumley last season, when he was being asked to play as a sweeper-keeper under, under Wilder and kind of use his distribution a lot more, I think that could have destroyed him mentally just for for that game or even like future games as well so it it does say a lot about the um the mentality of Stefan and like Eric said it it was going to happen at some point it's a good that we were a goal up when it did happen um and now we just kind of need to make sure like minimize the amount of times that it, it happens again in the in the future but I I would agree that it was always going to happen you can't you can't expect any player to go on the pitch and have a hundred percent pass completion over ninety minutes, and that 
you know, counts for the goalkeeper as well. Um, so when you know he misplaces a pass as much as it's it's more visible and people be like, oh, his distribution's terrible. It's not. It's like one of his strengths, and you can have a look at like the pass completion rate for for playing out from the back and and just kind of see that really. It's mad that people think that his distribution is his weakness because his his weakness for me is crosses, you know, coming for crosses and and that sort of thing. But I think Stefan defenders and we have we could probably attest to being uh, Stefan defenders have always said that it can happen. I don't think anyone's ever said that it won't. Um, and it's just accepting that it will and moving on when it does. And thankfully it didn't cost us too much. It Listen, it probably will cost us in a game. It probably will cost us in a defeat, but, and I've said this before, I would much rather Borough continue playing that way than just to press the panic button and go to play long ball. Cause we've got five foot eight Cameron Archer up front. It's just not like you're going to be defending a wave of attack anyway, because it's going to come straight back at us. So I'd much rather him try to play it centrally or play it to, to Tommy Smith. And then that, that sort of classic Carrick Borough one touch back inside than just hoofing it. It's mad, really, when uh, it's mad that Cardiff were much better in the second half when we were playing it long than we were when we were playing it short, by the way. just just uh, that's, mm, that's funny, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> I thought that when you were saying it, yeah. I thought it when you were saying it, because, I mean, yeah, maybe if you've got crooks up front, but <laughs> five foot eight Cameron Archer, come on. No. It's not happening, is it? Not happening. No. Um, well, they should play two up top with, like, Archer and, um, and Crooksy, but, I mean, you're not going to, are you? And also, no. like... If it's just going to come back to you and your past succession goes goes down, I mean it's not the end of the world, but um, you know, you just inviting pressure. Point. Yeah, I mean, you, you some yeah, some you will say it. you invite pressure uh, playing the way that we do, but it's about trying to work around that. And when it works, it's so so good to watch. Honestly, Maddo mm. on Tease was purring about it yesterday because there were so many examples, far more examples of it you know of, of us getting it right than getting it wrong of just slicing through Cardiff uh, and that's mm. that's the reward of it and mm. I, I like seeing it yeah I do too and I said at the end you know we, we slice through Cardiff um maybe we get the breakaway lovely bit of football from from Housen and, and Crooksy and you know, you know he played that lovely ball in the corridor of uncertainty and uh Riley McGree scored and fin- round off a, a very good win um then I'm, I'm assuming you were very relieved. Uh, obviously, you, you messaged us saying, oh, my God, Cardiff going to score. And then we we went and scored. But um, Ryan McGree, you were, I'm assuming you were very happy with us scoring and also a very good celebration, which I really want to analyse. Yeah. You know what? I said that if we score the third, I'm doing a knee slide on the kitchen floor. <laughs> and we <laughs> scored a third. And I did a knee slide on the kitchen floor. And I tell you what, I very much enjoyed it. It was a very good one. If we do like a mm. knee slide analysis, it was a very good one. It didn't. It did last very long, um, and it did hurt my knee. I, I do have a bruise on my knee right now, but it was so worth it. Um, but yeah, that's just what we what we needed. Cardiff were were playing uh, and trying to get that equaliser, and, and Borough just caught them on the counter. And you know that ball from Crooks, inch perfect. Really, honestly, so perfect on a plate for Riley McGree, who. I mean, he will say himself he should have scored that chance where it was a cross from Giles. It's somehow he somehow doesn't really connect to it, and then Akpom hits the post. He is human, Chuba mm. Akpom, but he probably should have scored then. But you know, he left it until a little bit later, and and it was brilliant because it was just that that relief, that outpouring of emotion of 
effing Gerin. We've got it. You know, we've got that win. It, it, it honestly was, and, you know, this podcast is aptly titled Few because, you know, it's that sort of, you know, you, you get rid of that, that sweat on your forehead because it did feel like Borough were, and I'll always mention typical Borough, it's the same for every club. I think every club has a typical and a club name here but it, it did feel like we were sort of teasing and equalizing I was looking at my form waiting for it to come up saying you know Cardiff 2-2 and thankfully it didn't although it did come up that it was 3-1 so it did kind of ruin the, the element of surprise there I really need to turn my notifications off when I'm watching the, the game but nonetheless we knee slid straight into the kitchen and mm. it was glorious I much enjoyed it I'm disappointed that um, you didn't get a video of the knee slides. I mean, I it would have been great to dissect, you know, and you've got bruise to to prove the the nature. Yeah, of... I'm a woman. I bruise anyway. We're like fruit. Yeah, I mean, we've got four working knees on this podcast at the moment. <laughs> uh, so, uh, <laughs> Most of them are Tom's. I know, yeah, two are Tom's, one for <laughs> one, one each for me and you, Dana. So. It's all right. Only six weeks to go. Um, <laughs> um, but just on the um, cross, what Crooks did, I would love to see Isaiah Jones do that more. Mm. Um, in it, when I was watching Crooks on the right hand side, and I was going, yeah, I was thinking, I was, I was just thinking of Jones going, how come he's not doing that as much now? Like, and why isn't he doing it? And for, for me, when I'm watching Jones now, it feels like he just keeps playing it safe, keep playing it safe. But if you get past your man. If I was Jones, just knock it in that corridor of uncertainty in that area of the box between like the penalty spot and the six-yard box. Just get it in that area. And if Archer's, Archer or Akpom are there, great. If they're not, you're giving someone a decision to make. And I just feel like he should just, that should be his first aim. Give him go, get behind him, and just knock the ball in that area and just don't worry about it. Um, but who knows? Who am, who am I to judge Isaiah Jones? Uh, Isaiah Jones, Jones um, for, <laughs> for, for for doing something like that. For put a little accent any, on there. Yeah, I nearly went a bit Welsh there, didn't I? Um, anyway, <laughs> um, should we go to the present place? Um, the present place is the place we like to give praise to Ryan McGree's uh, lovely celebration. Tom's a lovely whole shirt, um, sort of whole, you know, whole FC, not the whole City <laughs> Tigers shirt. Just, just to clarify, just to clarify, uh, Dana's powder puff, uh, jumper, powder and puff. all, not powder puff, pow- power <laughs> powder puff. I thought it was a powder puff. Sorry, power puff. I do apologise. <laughs> Is that as apologize. bad as me saying Harry Potter and the Wizard of Oz? last no. week it might no. it might it might be it might be all i'm gonna say is powder puff girls power puff power puff ah, same thing to me tomorrow eh? um you know what let's go let's just go to the present place um i'm butchering <laughs> this present place over the last few weeks you know I, I just forget what to say um okay well who gets your present place uh <laughs> not <the nation> <laughs> uh i'm gonna say matt crooks uh, i mentioned it on twitter and i want to reiterate it <clears throat> on this podcast, honestly, he is probably the best signing that Borough have made for quite some time. You think about his impact, the late winners, the you know, Reading game last season where he scored the equaliser and the winner, uh, Norwich this season, his contribution against Birmingham, his contribution against Manchester United, of course, that, that famous night again at Old Trafford for, for the Borough. And just everything that, that Crooks seems to do is valuable. And I remember earlier this season where he had that hernia and he was 
performing quite poorly or below his standards, everyone was thinking, oh, oh, kind of get rid of him. You know, maybe now's the time to phase him out of the team. And yes, he's not playing in midfield. And yes, he's not a starter. But players like Crooks, you need them in your squad because he is a clutch player and he will come up with the goods more often than not um his impact is way beyond what i ever expected um and for a million i think just such good value honestly such good value yes sometimes he can maybe you know his touch eludes him or um you know he he might <laughs> be playing poorly and come across as if he's a complete car horse but honestly more times than not matt crooks makes an impact and he's he's brilliant. I know my man would absolutely love Matt Crooks and call him a hunk. So hunky Matt Crooks goes in the praising place. Okay. Sometimes he plays like a tree, but you'll do for me. Um, <laughs> Tom Green, who gets your place in the prison place? <laughs> I think for yesterday, has to be Hayden Hackney. Because um, I thought he was absolutely everywhere in, in the midfield, especially first half. His passing range... Some some passes he played yesterday were absolutely outstanding. Like they had to be absolutely perfect. But he was playing in between like two Cardiff players at times, and it had to be absolutely perfect line on the pass. Otherwise, it would be intercepted, and it got through uh, every, every time. So, and he just seems to to be getting better and better every every week. Um, I know on BBC T's Madlow says it quite often. Where he's like, oh, me and all the coaching staff always knew like what Hayden Hackney was about and how good he was and stuff like that, which is, is you know, baffling why he wasn't used sooner. But he he just, like I say, he, he didn't stand out as, like, being a young player or anything, like, as being, you know, his debut in the team or, or anything, like, when he first broke into the team. And now he's just like, what what would we do if, if, if we didn't have him, like... He's just become such a valuable member of of the the starting eleven in such a a short space of time, and you know, all all the credit to him for for that for you know taking his chance, breaking into the first team, and you know becoming arguably one of the best players in the team. Yeah, he, he really is, isn't he? Like, he just he just gets better and better every week, and it's just nice to to see a homegrown player uh, like be like such an influence on on, on the group and also have, how we play as well. Um, he's obviously going to be keeping, keeping Balassa out the side at the moment, but who knows what Balassa will bring in the few weeks, uh, next few weeks. But I think my place is going to go to probably the coaching staff, I think. Um, and a couple of reasons why. I just think there's a couple, there's like little tweaks what we've done or like the, since while the left and Carrick came in, they've just worked so well. Like McGree, who just plays both sides um, of the pitch and like in a free roam half space uh, position, you know, playing in like the half space in itself is such a dangerous place um, to play for opposition team. And it, I really, I tweeted, you know, when they're, if they're playing the system, we need to like you know get find space. And then next thing you know, we've scored. And I'm just like, yes, like that's I, I'm a vision, I'm a visionary, um, but. Uh, no, I think the stuff like that, and also bringing in Hayden Hackney, obviously with Leo did uh, did that, but then for him to progress so well is really good. Tommy Smith has improved ever so much. Um, we have a really good base, really good way of playing. The fans are really bought in. Everyone's singing the same him, him sheeting. It's just nice. It's it's just nice not to to come on a podcast and go. Oh, I tell you what, I love I love winning me. You know, it's class. Uh, I'm, I've, we've been doing this podcast for like four or five years, and. 
we've sat through some absolute garbage <laughs> and now like we're finally just seeing some really good soccer ball and I'm enjoying it um <laughs> so yeah shout out to the coach and stuff um but yeah doing a really good job at the moment aren't we um but yeah Hackney done really well as well Tom and he'd probably be in there uh, as well um well, should we go to questions then? Because every week uh, you get the chance uh, to send us a question uh, via, on Twitter via the Borough underscore breakdown, email the breakdown at hotmail.com or join our Telegram chat uh, where there's over 300 Borough fans not talking about Borough at all, to be honest. Um, I, you know, there's just lots of just stuff that's going on in that chat and I don't even know what's going on anymore. Um, but the first question, uh, it's from Tom, uh, well, down in this was from the Telegram chat and he says, Archer has started well and is rightly going to play when he's fit. Is it slightly harsh on Crooks that he's out the team uh, seeing as he makes an impact more often than not when he plays? Um, Denny, you're on about uh, Matt Crooks about 30 seconds ago. Um <laughs> so I'll leave this question with you. What do you think? Well, I think part of Tom's question there is that he makes an impact more often than not when he plays. And and that also includes as a substitute. One of the things that I've taken from Carrick's tenure so far is that this is honestly very much a squad game and that it's not just the starting 11, it's the substitutes as well. And yes, it might be harsh because Crooks does come up with some really vital contributions, as I said, and, and I will say I did, leave out the, the one from yesterday the fantastic ball into Riley McGree but you know he probably it was probably time for Crooks to take a back seat for Cameron Archer to come in uh, at the point in which that obviously happened so I don't maybe, maybe it is harsh in general but at that time probably not um, but Crooks does come up clutch with with some vital contributions goals and assists and just over, overall work so whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench, I think, you know, he's going to make an impact. So, mm. yeah, the, that's just what what Crooks does. So, um, I'm not I'm not too fussed if he starts. I'm not too fussed if he doesn't because I know that you know it's it's just in his DNA, isn't it, to to mm. come up with a really vital contribution. Yeah, he'll do whatever it takes. Does uh, is Matt Crooks? You know, just roots and branches. That's all he is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But the next question, uh, it's from Flo, and it's Flo, it's, but it's at October, uh, Octoberfest Flavor. No, lo- what a lovely Twitter handle that is. Um, it says, what appointment does contribute the most to the recent success? Is it Carrick, Woodgate, or Scott, and why? I'd, I'd find it interesting to hear your point of views on if the transfer strategy uh, squad laid the groundwork and Wilder blew it, or if Carrick really makes a fundamental difference these days. Um, Tom, what do you think? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Um, so out of those three, I'd probably have to go with Kieran Scott as the most influential. Um, purely because if it, if there was no Kieran Scott, there's likely be no Michael Carrick, there'd be no coaching team in its current structure. Um, he's done good work in the summer transfer window to bring in uh, players like uh, you know Farsu. Um, you know, I think we all know Wilder didn't want to use classes as development striker. And then is is getting goal involvements most games now. Um, we've got the right transfer strategy now, and like I said, while they didn't want to use some of some of the players that the the club had signed, I think he kind of fumbled it a little bit there. But then Kim Scott acted. Uh, you know, the whole club, um, Scott Gibson, etc., has brought in Michael Carrick, brought in this coaching structure, and and. Like he said, when Carrick came in, like his job starts now, really, and it it definitely seems like such a more uh, together club. It feels like everyone's aiming towards the same thing now. Um, so I would have to say he's probably the most influential. But in terms of influential on the pitch, it's obviously Carrick and, and Woodgate. But like I said, there'd be none of that if it wasn't for Kieran Scott. Mm. Dana, is there anything to add on it, or which we'll um, move on? Yeah, I I do agree. I probably lean more towards Scott, but I think it has to be collegial as a as a collective because um, it clearly wasn't under Wilder. It, it was clear that different directions were were being pointed from different people, and I think in in any sort of environment, any dynamic, you you kind of have to be together to a point. You know, not everyone's going to agree, but you have to come to certain compromises, I guess. And it just didn't seem like that was really happening under Wilder. So, you know, I think all of them are important because all of them do seem to be, you know, the the, the cliche singing from the same hymn sheet. And that's what's kind of, you know, influenced our success or definitely led to what we're seeing so far. So, yeah, the if, if one cog works, the rest of them do. So... Yeah, I would agree with Tom, but all of them have to, you know, be be working in the same direction. And I agree with you as well, Tom. So we're all in agreement. Uh, that's Kieran Scott, probably the, the most <laughs> contributing factor. But yeah, well, Wilder did blow it to some extent and it's kind of proved it by what Carrick's done. Um, but anyway, next question. I'm going to come to you, Tom, again, and it's from Olivia. And she says, what's been the best decision since uh, Carrick taken over? Um, I think he's been 
uh, been a few brilliant ones, switching to a back four, crooks new position, starting force examples, but certainly not limited to. So what do you think has been the, the best decision since Carrick's took over? That's a bit of a difficult one, that, to be honest, because, I mean, switching to a back four has definitely helped. Um, Lenahan and Fry seem to be working more effectively as a centre-back pair and in a back four rather than in a back three. Um, not that we necessarily had the players to play that back three anymore after Clark got injured, Dyke Steele was injured, etc. But, um, yeah, that, that seems to have, have worked for sure. Uh, continuing on playing Hackney in the team as as that midfield too with, with House and, and also the decision to start playing out from the back as well. Um, I think in uh, like it joins up with you know that centre-back pair and the centre-midfield pair and, and just continuing to play, not panicking when things go wrong necessarily. Um, and, and continuing to play and, and become more familiar with this style of football. Um, so I've, I've, I think just to kind of sum it all up, just continuing with this style and this formation, not panicking and, and staying with it, but within this formation, the the different um, decisions to um, to place certain players where they are now um, has really kind of helped that along as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, next question is from, and it's a final one, it's from Jack and, you mentioned it there, Tom Round, you know, uh, Fry and Lenahan playing at the back. Um, but Jack asks, um, what would you would you bring Fry back in for Sheffield United, having struggled uh, and having struggled um, a touch against the better sides uh, we faced under Carrick, Brighton, and Burnley? Uh, do you expect to see some differences tactically? Uh, Daniel, what do you think? Do you think Fry should come in for Sheffield United? I do, yeah. I think Paddy McNair has been good in, in, in what we've seen of him of late, but I'll probably put Fry back in. He is, for me, our best defender in terms of <clears throat> differences tactically. Um, I mentioned this on Tease yesterday that I think maybe this is the, the game to mix things up a little bit in terms of our build-out. That's not me saying abandon playing out from the back at all. But one of the things from obviously having been completely tonked by Sheffield United last season is that they picked us off in the press and we kind of played into their hands there a little bit. I would just like us to be smart in the game and um, maybe identify when we do need to to sort of not get it long, but get it out wide um, because there's two different sort of avenues for Borough. It is that central pass to House and Hackney, which I think might be a bit dangerous for us, or it's that um, sort of ping from Stefan up towards uh, Tommy Smith on the right or Ryan Giles on the left. I think I'd probably like to see more of the latter than the former against Sheffield United because, you know, watching their game yesterday against uh, Swansea or the highlights on the, the highlight show, it was sort of similar in that they let, Swansea have the ball and then they were picking them off and you know pressing them picking them off and then you know scoring so mm. that would probably be tactically what I'd like to see different yeah oh, it's something I'd like to see as well um, it'd be interesting because they you know the way they're going to be set up I think they will probably only mark and maybe switch how the, the, the three five two into that five um, so and then see how the press were there. But let's let's go. Let's travel Sheffield United then, um, because you know we travel to Bramall Lane, the the home of the greasy chip body um, against uh, second place Sheffield United. Um, what's your thoughts on on the overall game in general, Tom? Because this is massive. It's it's huge. It's probably one of the biggest games of the season. But I want to hear your thoughts. On six it. pointer. It's a six pointer. Yes, it is a six pointer. <laughs> Well, I mean, me, me first thought is immediately I want to try one of these greasy chip buddies because it sounds sound immense. But um, 
Yeah, thoughts on the game. It's going to be a difficult one. It was it was a difficult game uh, when they came to the Riverside. Um, one, you know, we probably had the chances to win, but they played well. Um, and I never like like us uh, playing Sheffield United away. It just seems like one of those grounds where we never have, have any luck. I think one of one of my first memories of us playing Sheffield United away, Phil Jagielka scored like a volley from about forty yards out or something like that. So it just kind of sums up. Sums up the entire kind of history at uh, Bramble Lane. Uh, Bramble Lane, not Bramble, but um... <laughs> the Bramble Lane. <laughs> yeah, Bramble Lane. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, it, it's going to be a very difficult game. And when, when I was um, when I was looking at their recent games, um, just kind of pick up anything. Uh, you know, I, I could see stats wise, they don't seem to be uh, one of these teams that's kind of like obsessed with having possession or something. It does seem like they might prefer letting other teams have the possession and just being clinical in, in what they can do. And it kind of ties in with what Dan has just said there about uh, you know, the highlights of, of them playing Swansea yesterday where they're just picking teams up, uh, off on the on the press. Um, one of the, the games I kind of picked out, um, when when researching was the beat Stoke City three one uh, at home, but had forty five percent possession during it. Uh, Sheffield United only had three shots on target and they scored every one of them. Stoke had five and they scored one. So it does seem like they're very clinical when they when they get their chances and that they take them well. But you know maybe it's that they they just allow lower quality chances um, from from other teams and it, it, it's easier for. Uh, for their keeper to save, but it, it does seem like this is the type of game where we'll probably go in. We we will have more p- uh, possession than them, uh, but it's not necessarily a, a completely good sign. Mm. I'd be very keen to see where they're letting these teams take a shot. Do you know what I mean? Like, is it like which angles are coming from? Is it coming from straight on, or is it coming from like the like from maybe the half space area? Because you could play at the, I wonder if I'm intrigued to see if they're playing like a, a two bus system where it's like you, you try it's like it was what Sean Dyche's Everton did, or Everton or Burnley did where like you play like one bus not like an actual physical bus on the pitch but you know what I mean like <laughs> you got one bus on like the like on in the half space with diagonally and the other on the other side and then you force it centrally if you've got a good goalkeeper but if you're not you're trying to force it into a certain area where you hit direct um or just try and limit the space anyway that, that's for another day um but dana Mollett, what's your thoughts and we've got a question from jeff as well as well and he said um is there any weaknesses we should exploit is there anything that you you found uh just to add to what tom was mentioning there well there's just a whole load of strengths really that that's in front of me All right now I mean, yeah goals conceded per match 0.8 so the lowest seem pretty strong defensively um goals per match 1.7 which is the second where 1.6 so it, it should be an interesting matchup there you've got a team that I think have the most clean sheets in in the league which isn't a particularly great metric let's be honest but you know they, they seem pretty tight defensively um and then it and then obviously both of us are a good goal scoring team so it's going to be interesting but yeah, if it's anything like the game uh, Bramall Lane last season, then I'm not watching. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch it for probably about half an hour and then, I don't know, put something else on. Um, Wizard of Oz. But we need to make sure that we <laughs> that we just don't play how we did last season. Hopefully that can be a, a bit of a, a learning curve for us and that we kind of come out of that. I know it's a different team, different goalkeeper, different 
strike force, different midfield. It's it's all very different, different managers as well, of course. But hopefully we could have learned something from that, the players anyway, because it was a really, really difficult evening for us where we, we did get picked off. We did get completely swarmed in, with their press. We weren't particularly clever with the ball. Um, we, we played into their hands. Uh, it's... It's an interesting matchup, isn't it? It's a, an almighty clash at the top of the table. I can't really see any weaknesses as such, but there will be some, and I hope Borough can find them at Bramall Lane on Wednesday night. Yeah, um, they're a, a good side, aren't they? Like, when I see like some of the players they've got, you know, like Sanderberg, like, what is he doing in the championship? Like, yeah. what a great talent, and he's just in the championship, and, you know, fair play. Like, like yeah, I, don't, I think he was going to go on the journey, wasn't he? And then he, he didn't in the end, you know, and Dye's being really, really good. I like Chris. Chris Basham at centre half when it, when he plays, um, Egan's really good too, and they've just got a very good side. And it's it's like you were saying, then it's it's hard to pinpoint where we're gonna really target in in, in the game. Uh, you know, three five two is a great formation, but it's also a formation where you can occupy a lot of space in behind and the wingers. Can you try and get the ball from there and try to create a few problems from that? The three at the back in itself is is going to be interesting because with with us trying to play four two three one, and also with McGree moving over in in both sides of the pitch, I'm just in, I'm interested to see if that overload will work this time around if they switch to a five or not because they've got the extra defender there as always someone free. If we get the ball off us, can they counter quite quickly? So it's a tactical. In, it's just intriguing tactically. Mm. I think there's just so much to what ifs and buts and all cheese, uh, all chip butties cheese. and all this kind of, yeah, cheesy chip butties and all this kind of stuff, you know? At there's also there. a br- bramble. <laughs> Tight <laughs> bramble in. But um, I think there's, it, it's a game of movement as well because they've mm. got really, they've got a, a lot of technical players, you know, McAtee and, and Jai, um, you know, even Oliver. Uh, uh, Oliver, his Sunday name, uh, Ollie Norwood, you know, the the dictator in midfield. And I think it's about movement. Jaden Bogle looked really good in the highlights uh, from the Swansea game. Um, rich fluidity in that team. But it's the same with us as well. You think about McGree, Archer getting in behind. It's going to be really, yeah. really intriguing to see how both of those match up because you've got one side that are really, you know, really neat, intricate passing ourselves. Same with Sheffield United when they get the ball. Um, you know, they're lower than us in terms of uh, average possession. But as we've sort of alluded to a little bit there, if they get the ball, then most times they will at least test the goalkeeper. So, yeah, Zach Steffen might have a really um, important contribution to make in that game on Wednesday night. Yeah. And I think for us, like fans, I think it's a game where don't watch the ball. Just, just don't watch where the ball is. Just watch everything around it because I think that's like you said. That's where the game's gonna be dictated. Um, but let's go to predictions. Um, Tom Green, you are going to the Bramble of the Lanes um, and going to get a, a lovely greasy chip boy by the sounds of it. Um, but what's your prediction on the night? What are you thinking? I'm gonna go one-one. Um, like I say, it, it's not a, a ground I remember us having too much joy at or anything like that. I'm not going expecting us to win uh, in in any uh, in any circumstance. Like 
if if I'd have remembered that this game was on TV, probably wouldn't have bought a ticket. But... <laughs> <laughs> Fake fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, it was 35 quid to go there, though. But it, it's mm, one of the tickets. True, that's ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, it, I'm hoping it's going to be a good game um, and, and nothing like the one last season. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go 1-1. One, 1-0. One. One uh, what are you going to go for? That is interesting, actually, because we haven't drawn a game since Bristol City. Um, I think we're on an 11-game streak um, since our last draw. So on Twitter, so I, to be honest, like, would you guys take a draw? Because I I'd feel like I'm leaning towards that would, yeah. I'd, I'd yeah. take a draw. You win yeah, your definitely. home games, you draw your away games, and that's how mm. you two points a game for promotion. <laughs> exactly. Textbook. Textbook answer. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I'd probably it. I'll, I'll go two two. I'm gonna go two two. The two two Desmond. Um, now I can go either nil nil or three three here. Um, <laughs> or five. Please five. not nil nil. I'm excited for um, this game. I don't want it to be a bother. I'd be happy with a five five. Yeah, it'd be a great. Everyone loves a five five, you know. Um, see, it could be a nil nil because it's how much is a team willing to give away in that game and it's also the two most potent attacks in the league which absolutely screams <laughs> no goals screams nils nils doesn't it um oh, i don't know uh you know i think we can get something and i think there's more pressure on sheffield united to get something than us um so hopefully we can go in there with, with confidence you know we're in a good bit of form um and there's no reason why you can go. You, we can't go there and get something decent. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, a Sheffield United one, two Middlesbrough. Um, so two on the Borough, and we'll go from there. And we'll be happy in the beyond. And we're going to win it all. And we'll lose to like someone bang average a week later and Keep blow our chances. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I, like I was it. thinking actually when I was looking through our fixtures. I was like, it wouldn't surprise me if we won here and then went to I don't know. Yeah, like a QPR or a Reading and lost. Or Swansea, actually. Mm. I'm looking at Swansea and I'm thinking, oh, God, yeah, Swansea. Swansea away. Let's hope Gavin Ward isn't a referee, eh? because that'll trigger Tom. <sighs> yeah. Stone Cold <laughs> Steve Tom. Uh, uh, <laughs> we were scared back in the day. I love that. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just about remember it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, it's, my, it's still my favorite podcast memory. Yeah, it is a great memory. You know, I feel like maybe we should bring out a T-shirt with Tom's like face on it, where he had like the hat, where he had like the Randy hair, Randy Orton haircut, and um, <laughs> and then like just of like him. Yes, <laughs> work like, in the dark. Work in the dark. Yeah, get a job where you don't have to use your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a good uh, I still I stick like by that. that. Yeah, <laughs> can't wait for Gavin Ward to be the referee of game now. Then, uh, but guys, thank you very much uh, for, for joining me uh, as always. And to listeners and the viewers, thank you very much uh, for watching and listening to us as always. And my final request is uh, give us a five star rating, subscribe, and do all that stuff because it helps us get found and noticed by our Bora fans. And yeah, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Um, but for right now, Bora slay the Bluebirds in Cardiff. But they'll have to get the sword out again as I put the blade to Sheffield United. This has been the Bora Breakdown podcast, and that was our Bora match day chat in a pod up the board breakdown
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.